have the, the table is set, and each one of these little items represents something that, uh, that my wife has been just really praying about and studying about over the uh, last several weeks. And so she's going to be the one that's going to share towards the end. But before that, Jacob Dupin, the, the young man and his wife, they work with the youth of our church. They're going to actually, he's going to actually share some stuff. Because I asked, not too long ago, I asked, hey, if you're thankful and you wanted to share a testimony of being thankful, who would want to do that? And obviously, Jacob's the only one thankful in the whole church because he's the only one that came up and said something to me or the only one just willing to get up and, and talk. But before we do any of that, you see the boxes up here on the stage and the ones that are in the foyer. These are the Day of Hope boxes that 50 of you took and to fill them up, to bring them back, because next Saturday is the Day of Hope. It's at the Rock of KC Church here in Platte City. And 1,900 people are registered to come to this event. And every family will take one of these boxes of food home with them. And so if you're like, oh, man, I forgot to bring my box. Well, then you need to get a hold of me sometime this week, okay? Sometime this week and get the box, either just drop it off in front of my house or bring it to me, whatever you need. Take it out to the Rock with KC during the day, all through all week long because they'll be there putting all this stuff together. And so I don't think it's too late to volunteer, thedayofhope.org, thedayofhope.org. Get on, volunteer. We need plenty of help to make this day happen. So please make sure you get that squared away. Okay, first through fifth graders, really first through fifth and any other uh, kids that are in the room, whether you're old, maybe you can be a little bit older than fifth grade and you would want to participate. Actually, I'm not even going to say anything. First through fifth, just come here right now. All the kids, all the kids, just come up here real quick. We're not going to get up on the stage. I'm not going to ask you any embarrassing questions. Just come here. No, not you, Justin. Sit down. All right, come on, everybody else. Come on up here real quick. I got something to say. Got something to share. How you doing, man? Look, where's your glasses? You wear contacts? Dude, I was like 40 before I was brave enough to stick my finger in my eye. You're amazing. Crazy. Come on up. Come on up. Awesome. You guys look amazing. You look incredible. You know what? You're going to look even more amazing when you are a part of the children's Christmas program coming up here in about three weeks. Third, four, yeah, about three weeks. On the 17th of December, we're going to have our kids' Christmas program. And you are, by the way, your kids, and we need you to participate. Now, it doesn't mean you have to be in front and talk, but it might, you might sing some song, get the dress-ups and really cool costumes, maybe wear your own costume. There's going to be lots of fun stuff. But you know what? It's only as good as you're willing to make it. You guys in? Are you all in? Everybody in? Come here, come here. Everybody put your hands in. All right. Come on, everybody. Hands in. Come on. Excited. This is like a team. Come on. Be excited about it. Get in. All right. Uh, when I say one, two, three, I want you to say uh, kids rock, all right? You got one finger in there, dude, but that's enough. All right, here we go. One, two, three. No, that was sad. All right, one more time. Come on, everybody in. That, that wasn't kids rock. That's kids like are lame, all right? Let's kids rock as loud as you can. One, two, three. Kids rock, all right? Follow Linda right there. And she'll tell you all you need to know. So for the next couple of weeks, kids are going to be practicing getting ready. If your kid's not here, it's not too late. Justin, I said, sit down, man. You can't be in the program. All right, Jacob, come on up, man. Howdy. My wife hates it when I use that word. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm the youth pastor here at The Calling, and uh, my wife and I are, are blessed every Wednesday night to, uh, to have uh, your kids come to our house and uh, 
just fellowship together and hang out, as well as every third Sunday, um, we hang out with them here in, uh, in the church as well. Um, uh, just to kind of give you a, a clue of what goes on, this is my like shameless plug for the youth group. Um, we just got done uh, finishing up a word-for-word um, reading or understanding of the 23rd Psalm. Um, we're a Bible-believing church, so obviously we want to preach those words and teach those words to your to your children. So um, we do take that seriously, um, and I can honestly tell you that your kids are starving for truth, and they're, and they're eating it up. So um, our next study will be um, over... Uh, studying the Bible. We study the Bible, but do we ever study why we study the Bible? And so uh, the series will be, why is the Bible true? Why do we say it's true? Who made it true? Where does it come from? How did it get put together? 60 author, I'm sorry, 66 books, 40 authors, thousands of years. Where did it come from? Um, We'll be looking at external, internal, experiential evidence, um, where does the Holy Spirit come into play? Was it a word for word? Did God say, all right, write about feeding the 5,000? Or did God say, in the beginning? And Noah's like, in the beginning. So we'll, we'll, we'll go through that study. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, so that's, that's what's coming up. That's what we're doing with your youth. Um, so what am I thankful for? Um, so many things, right? Like, you go through life, we're, you just look at the news and what's going on overseas. We're just so completely blessed. No matter where we're at in this room as an individual, you are just so far beyond blessed of what you have. Um, but when it comes to what I am truly thankful for, I would say that um, fear and suffering, which is really weird to say that I'm thankful for fear and suffering, but as I get into my testimony, I, I, would, I think it'll become apparent to you why I've chosen to say, man, I, I really feel like I, I truly am thankful. That it's like the most important thing ever in my life is fear and suffering. Um, and we're a, new, we're a new church. We haven't been around very long. Um, we're young, and by all counts, number-wise, we're pretty small. And if you just look back through the past of this church, the amount of fear and suffering that has entered into this place. Death's already come knocking at the door. Scary diagnosis from doctors. Family struggling to begin. Family struggling to stay together. We, we just live in a world full of suffering. And, uh, which is, let's, I'll just get into my testimony. So, um, in fifth grade, this guy named Randy Hogue came to my church. Um, <clears throat> he was never invited back after this day, but um, <laughs> he, uh, he, was a tra- he was a traveling evangelist, and he literally uh, scared the hell out of me, as in um, one night, it was, it was titled Elevator Trip to Hell, and so we went and listened, and I was afraid. I was very afraid, and I would call, I would call that night... Um, my fire insurance policy. I'm an insurance guy, so I think of things as policies, but um, yeah, so that was fire insurance. I accepted Christ that night knowing that I was in debt. I didn't, like, my conscience was telling me there's something wrong. I'm in fifth grade. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I know that there's something that needs to be fixed in me. So I, I mean, I truly believe beyond a shadow of a doubt 
you know, if, if the Lord required my life that night or weeks later, that I would go to heaven. I, I, I truly accepted Christ as my Savior. But I didn't really, I'd say Savior. I call him fire insurance. I didn't accept Christ as my actual Savior until four days before my 21st birthday. That, that date was uh, May 17th, 2009. Um, I was a, a, a full-ride athlete to college. Um, I ran track and field. I got uh, recruited as a high jumper um, and long jumper and then developed into a decathlete. Um, I graduated in 2010. I wanted to take a victory lap a fifth year with hopes of training and staying in shape and um, wanting to attempt the Olympic trials. Um, I was pretty good at what I did and uh, I lived for myself is what it comes down to. Um, I was in a relationship, um, chose that I wanted to be with another individual and basically uh, both of them were on the same team that I was on, um, and I basically had my life start crumbling around me, um, decided that I wasn't going to have a fifth year in college, that I was going to graduate in four years and move on, but then I started to struggle against that, so I decided, no, I'm going to stay, forget all these people, um, God, you know, Psalm, Psalm 23, he makes me lie down in green pastures, he makes me. Every single translation of that verse, no matter what Bible you read, every single translation, he makes me. God made me lie down. He, that dream was gone. That realization was gone. That's not the path for you. He forced me to my knees. Literally, I actually broke my foot. I broke my foot. I couldn't continue on with my career. Um, but on that day, I realized that my, my sin affects other people. I was okay living behind closed doors and, you know, whatever I wanted to live my life as in private was me, but that doesn't affect other people. Or if I'm living my life in private with somebody else, that doesn't affect other people. When the scripture says in Numbers, be sure your sins will find you out, that's a real thing. And uh, my sins were found out. And that ripple effect, if you were to like throw a rock into a lake and just watch that spread out through every single life of the people I was closest to, and the realization that, yeah, I'm a sinner, but my sin does affect other people, that brought me to my knees to say, I need a savior. And I don't, I'm not fire insurance. I don't want to be saved from hell, but I want to be saved from myself. Um, so much so that. Um, I bring this up and I, I teach our youth this I, I try to pound this into their head every time they come over that hey guys you know the Lord loves you um, we got to work on you're getting ready to go out into the world remember the things that you choose to do can echo and move on beyond this point they will affect your future yada 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 and you know everyone has to go through their phase of understanding but for example there's a kid in our youth He's not in our youth anymore. He went off to college. His name's Chase Dalton. Um, but the things that I had done as a 20-year-old in college, I'm 29 now. It's been, I'm nine years removed from that situation. 
the head track coach, the head track coach at uh, the college I went to, um, still won't talk to me, um, and uh, and I don't blame him for that. I did a lot of things wrong in that situation, um, but I coach track now at a, a local high school, and this individual is a very good athlete, and I was trying to get him. He wanted to go to the school I went to, um, and I just told him, I, I apologize. This is a this is a life lesson for you. I did something in my past that is affecting you, and I didn't even know you existed nine years ago. Um, so I, I apologized to him about that. I prayed with him about that, but that's just how that was. And then um, I would say the next, the next development of my faith came after uh, we joined this church. This church got up and going, and uh, Dan Ryder, he's part of our small group. He uh, uh, leads this class called... Uh, Financial Peace University, where God brought uh, brought to me that uh, He was actually not the center of my life. That I I bowed down to my bank account. Um, we were sw- we weren't really swimming in debt. We were just living like basically paycheck to paycheck because we could af- we could afford the payment. I won't get into that. I've already given all my testimonies on that. If you want your life radically changed. Financial Peace University, I promise you. Anyway, after going through Financial Peace University, um, God showed me that I had idols, the almighty dollar, and God we trust printed right on it. It was my God. Um, When that class was over and we decided that we're going to start budgeting to this and we're going to give our tithe, we gave our first full tithe based on what our income was, um, you wouldn't be, like the next day, Monday, my wife got a job. She was searching for a job for nine months. I got hired onto the current job I'm at, came with a 15% raise. And it just went on and on and on. And God was showing me that he is better, that he is Lord. That, and I would say that I went in from fifth grade, I went from fire insurance to four days before my 21st birthday, I went to my savior to when Financial Peace University was over, like Christ over everything. Christ is my Lord. He is the Lord of my life. He's the sinner. Everything goes through him. So if, if, you, if you work at a, a place where you can't actually do anything without talking to your boss first, it's kind of like what my relationship's like now. Can we buy this car? I don't know. We should probably check in with the boss. Um, and so... That's like how the evolution of my faith has come along. Um, not to say that I wasn't saved when I was in fifth grade, but I've come to understand that I need more than just an insurance. I need a, I need a Lord. I need a leader. I need a shepherd, basically. Um, so when I say that I'm thankful for pain and suffering or fear, um, the 23rd Psalm opens up with the words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And when I was a kid, I'd hear that at a, at a, a funeral, because that's usually where you hear that at, as a funeral. And, I, and I'd be like, yeah, I don't want that shepherd. Every time I hear this, I'm at a funeral and someone's dead. You're right, it's a shepherd I don't want. Kind of really misunderstood that and, and misinterpreted that. Um, from my understandings of, of studying this and, and going through it, when I read, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, first and foremost, it means I shall not want another shepherd. And so, 
when I look back at my life, I was letting, you know, relationships decide where I was going to go or letting finance decide where I was going to go or where the money was at or whatever I was bowing down to. And if I look back at my life and the things that I wanted to do in college and the path that I was going, if, and, or if you look back in your individual life, how much pain is brought into your life because of the things that you want? And so if I look back and say, like, oh, I want that relationship. Oh, I want her. I want her. I want that. And I go off and I chase after these things. The amount of pain that I bring into my life just because of the things that I want. And you can look back and, and on Psalm 23, verse 1, and the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's a promise that he's going to take care of me and that not only do I not want another shepherd, but I should just want to come to a point in my life in the future that he is all I want. When it comes to, when it comes to suffering, I just learned, like, we were at my, my sister's house, and we were speaking with, uh, we, were, we were speaking with my brother-in-law, very intelligent man, and he said something about, he was reading through um, Jesus's temptations and how it's like the, the spiritual pinnacle of his life up to that point in time and how quickly we read over that. There's no ceremony. There's no banquet. They're not going out to have lunch and leave awful tips. Don't do that, by the way. If you go out to lunch today, leave good tips. But um, it basically goes from Jesus being confirmed with the Holy Spirit present and the voice of the Lord saying that this is my son who I'm greatly pleased to the very next verse goes right off into suffering. Baptism, go into the desert. 40 days of fasting. Some of you guys won't even be bearable by the end of today. You're going to be starving and irritated. Christ went off and spent 40 days of suffering and not only that but come face to face with Satan and and temptation. And sometimes we're so quick to gloss over the fact when we read that story that Christ went from a spiritual high to the lowest of the lows. The, lowest point, the highest point of his life to that time, the lowest point of his life to that time, right there. And it's like almost like if you continue reading the 23rd Psalm, how you go to the peak and the peak just prepares you for the next valley. And I start to sit back and I start to think about all of these things of um, Christ's temptation, the, the, Christ, Christian, the Christian life of suffering, and what it, what it all means. And I have a couple of notes here, so forgive me um, that I'm going to have my face down on these. But fear, fear is the attitude of heart that seeks a right relationship with the fear source. And so... When I was in fifth grade, I knew something was wrong, and I wanted a right relationship with it. Imagine you're in your bedroom, you're sleeping, and you hear the window break and someone just walking around your house. There's instant fear, and the problem with that is there's not a good relationship with whatever is causing that fear. And so what I've learned in my life is that I want a good relationship with my source of fear. And so fear has its purpose, 
but we don't end at fear. First John says that perfect love drives out fear. So as a Christian, you start with the foundation of fear, but you move into, uh, we're not under the wrath of God anymore. Thank you to Jesus Christ. And so we move from fear to love, but we're still thankful for that foundation of fear that brought us back. And we're no longer afraid as in like, oh, like don't hurt me. It's more of a fear is a difficult word because it's not translated. You can't really do a seamless translation from Greek to English, but it's more of reverence that I'm in awe of you instead of I'm afraid of you. We start I'm afraid of you. But once we realize that we need to be in a good relationship with that, then it turns into reverence and awe. And then, what I want to finish up with before uh, Trish comes is that when it comes to uh, suffering, suffering has its purpose. Because you can look at any character in Scripture You can't name one character in Scripture that God either didn't bring their sin face-to-face with them or bring them to their their knees before God was willing to work with them. And and suffering is a part of that, is, is a part of your journey. There's no growth without rain, no roses without pruning, no scripture without, I'm sorry, no sculpture without chipping away, no diamonds without pressure, no gold without fire. Never. And I, I've, when I look back at the amount of suffering that I have caused myself or the amount of suffering that I found myself in, it helps me remember that there's a purpose for it. So I'm, I'm a father now, and I'm, I'm finishing up. This is the end of my, my spiel. I'm a, I'm a father now, and we have a, a little toddler who likes to walk around. She can't stand socks, so she's always barefoot. And we have wood floors in our kitchen, and we have carpet in our hallway, and we don't have a good transition strip between the two. So you can, if you step just right, you'll hit the tack strip and draw draw blood. Uh, And so the first time that my daughter, my daughter hit the, the transition strip, you can look at this as the transition strip of life, which is what God is kind of showing me as I'm having a, a kid run around, that I'm basically like this to him. She steps on that transition strip, and immediately there's tears and there's pain. And what's the first thing that she does? The first time she did it, she fell right on her butt and just threw a fit. There's pain, and she just wallowed in it. and just There's no consoling her, right? But then she realizes after I pick her up that daddy makes it feel better, because I do. the next time she hit the transition strip, the very first thing she did was look for me and run to me. And so when you hit those transition strips in life and you have that pain, one of two things can happen to you. The same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. And so if your heart is in a position to receive and want to melt away, and be taken care of by the Father, suffering will take you to the position and the path that you need to be on. God is trying to correct something in you. God is trying to bring you closer to him. If you allow your heart to become hard as clay and eventually stone, God will continue to make you lie down until you get it. And so 
I'm very thankful for fear and suffering because that has brought me to the point in my life that I know Christ and I want Christ. A hundred years from now, the Black Friday deals that we stole. Ooh, I'm, Black Friday is my favorite holiday. Um, it's a flaw in my personality and my character. I know. We're working on it. I love it. Anyway, those, those things aren't even going to matter 10 days from now. A hundred years from now, when I'm in heaven glorifying God, we're going to be singing songs about my suffering because the suffering is the only reason that I'm with him in that moment. You can't, you can't go to him through, without suffering. You have, to, you have to find him in that pit, in that valley. So just remember that there's a purpose for that. Make sure that you melt away in it and don't harden from it. That's all I got. Thank you. Good morning. For those of you I've not met, I am Trish Testorf, and um, Brady and I are very grateful that you're here to worship with us this morning. Jacob, that was so cool because it just... It'll feed right into what I'm talking about also. I just love when God works like that. Um, so I didn't jump up and say, I have something that I want to say I'm thankful for. Brady again asked me if I would share what I've learned in a small group Bible study that we just finished on Psalm 107. Um, but first, I am thankful, Brady, that you love me like Christ loves the church. Because when you love me like that, and when you lead our family like that, I will follow you to the ends of the earth. Thank you. I'm thankful. All right. Open your Bibles to Psalm 107. And I'm going to be reading from several different translations. So it's going to be kind of my Trish take on the psalm. I'm going to read the whole thing. Our Bible study was seven weeks long. So there's a lot I would love to share. But I'm going to focus and try to connect a dot at the end about the Lord's Supper that we're going to observe today. So, uh, all right, everybody find it? It's kind of in the middle in the Bible, Old Testament. All right. Oh, thank God. He is so good. His love never runs out. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those he has freed from oppression and trouble, then gathered and rounded up from all over the place, from the east and the west and from the north and from the south. So those first three verses are a call to worship. And we are called to worship no matter the circumstance we're in, no matter where we're at in life. Starting with verse four. Some of you wandered for years in the desert, finding no way to a city where you could live half-starving and parched with thirst, staggering and stumbling on the brink of exhaustion. Then you cried to the Lord in your trouble, and he delivered you from your distress. He led you to a straight path, to a city where you could settle. So thank God for his unfailing love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. For he satisfies the longing soul like, a pouring, like pouring water down a parched throat, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. This is talking about the deserts we've trekked through. 
We've got to make sure that we're drawing water from the right well and that we're setting our anchor in the true anchor of Christ. And you'll notice I've got little symbols from our Bible study up here on the Lord's Supper table. Starting with verse 10. Some of you sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains, because you rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected you to bitter labor. (laughs) Jacob, this is like making you lie down in the pasture. Subjected or submitted, it's like God's holding your head down and making you submit. You stumbled there and there was no one to help. Then you cried to the Lord in your trouble and he delivered you from your distress. He brought you out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away your chains. So thank God for his unfailing love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves, for he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. So this is a season of being in chains. And how many of us have walked through that season of feeling like we have to carry our sin, right? Um, I'm going to keep reading on. Verse 17. Some of you became fools through rebellious and sinful living, and your bodies felt the effects of your sin. You couldn't stand the sight of food. So miserable, you thought you'd be better off dead. Then you cried to the Lord in your trouble, and he saved you from your distress. He spoke the word that healed you, that pulled you back from the brink of death. So thank God for his unfailing love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. Offer thanksgiving through sacrifice. Tell the world what he has done. Sing it out. This is a season of folly, and I'm sure we've all had these seasons too of deciding and making bad choices that saying to God, I know better than you. Um, Verse 23. Some went to sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. You saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up waves of the sea. You mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. Your courage melted away in the evil plight. You reeled and staggered like a drunk, and you were at your wit's end. Then you cried to the Lord in your trouble, and he delivered you from your distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper, and the waves of the sea were hushed. And you were so glad when the storm died down, and he led you safely back to harbor where you longed to be. So thank God for his unfailing love for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. Lift high your praises when people assemble. Shout hallelujah when the elders meet. When, I, when we studied that week, I was like, wow, I'm just doing life. I'm just working, trying to live for the Lord one day at a time, ask for my daily bread, and the storm hits, and it hits hard. It's unexpected, and it just ruins everything. Verse 33, he turned rivers into a desert, flowing springs into thirsty ground, and fruitful land into a salt waste because of the wickedness of those who live there. 
He turned the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into flowing springs. Then he brought the hungry to live, and they founded a city there where they could settle. They sowed fields and planted vineyards that yielded a fruitful harvest. He blessed them, and their numbers greatly increased, and he did not let their herds diminish. When they are diminished and humbled by oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on nobles. He sends them away to wander in trackless wastes. But he lifted the needy out of their affliction and increased their families like flocks. The upright see and rejoice, but all the wicked shut their mouths. Let whoever is wise pay attention and think these things over. Consider the Lord's acts of faithfulness. It's time you appreciated God's steadfast love for you. The Lord knows exactly what we need and when we need it. God will dry up our broken well. He'll expose our chains. He'll toss out our earthly wisdom. He'll pull out our false anchors. But he will also give us brand new wells. He'll break the chains of rebellion and oppression. He'll give us wisdom from heaven. And he will be our anchor in the storm. Psalm 107 is a song. Um, It's narrating the Lord's faithfulness to us in each of these seasons and getting to this place of living to tell about it. That's what the, the redeemed of the Lord say so. The psalmist is encouraging us to remember all that the Lord's done. So, you know, we are prone to forget Um, I'm forgetting more and more the older I get. (laughs) But in the Old Testament, God established feasts and festivals. There's there's many of them. Um, He did that for his people to remember what he had done for them. I think about now what he's done in the New Testament, having uh, Jesus go to the cross for us, sacrificing his only son, And then he gives us the Lord's Supper to remember that. That's some serious love. And I think he's um, very serious about wanting us to remember all that he's done for us. Now, feasts and festivals, having the Lord's Supper once a month, I remember. But I tell you what brings better memory to me is a scar or a limp. Ladies in my small group. We know about those, don't we? So none of the seasons in Psalm 107 leave us unmarked. Um, I have a physical scar to remind me of a season of folly. Um, I shattered my ACL when Eliza was in kindergarten. And wasn't necessarily doing something foolish, or is Carrie here? Maybe it was pretty foolish. (laughs) But to add on to that, I was physically unfit. I wasn't healthy, and so the foolish choices just mounted on top of one another. I also have an emotional scar to remind me of a more serious season of being in the desert, and the Lord dried up my well. The consequence I experienced through that was a marriage that ended, and that's a scar you don't physically see. But my scars, physical or emotional, remind me of what I've gone through. I don't have to be happy about it. I mean, 
I mourn the lack of movement in my knee. I can't do a lot of physical activities with my family that I'd like to do. I grieve that I wasn't a virgin when I married Brady. But, I stay, but if I stay in the desert, if I stay bound in my chains and live like I know better, I most likely won't approach this table with thankfulness. So I can't stay there. We must choose joy and look at what God has delivered us from through Jesus Christ, no matter our circumstances. Think of each of these seasons on your own life, being in the desert, being bound in chains, being in a season of folly, just having a storm hit, where God has continually been faithful to you over and over. This table, these elements, this, this observant, this is not about you. Um, I like to think of it, it's about for your own good, for his glory. Um, Emma and I were talking about this, um, how I love symbols, I love the observance of the Lord's Supper of Communion. And so she was telling me, she's a smart young woman, so she had this really neat thing to say. She said, when people say they are unworthy or too broken to approach this table, it's as if they are putting their own self-righteousness over God's righteousness and saying that their sin is too great for God to redeem them. And that's exactly the opposite of what this psalm is telling us to do. I mean, we have to ask ourselves, do I believe my self-righteousness is greater than God's love for me? This is how the redeemed say so. This is what I'm thankful for when I remember what God did for me through Jesus Christ. He delivers us out of all of these seasons over and over again, season after season. So Psalm 107 verse 2 is the let the redeemed say so. Um, We pray every week the end of worship, the Lord's Prayer. Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't want to wait till heaven to remember what the Lord's done in my life. In 1 Thessalonians 5.16, it says, to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Giving thanks is not easy for us, but we must in all circumstances if the next part of his will in my life is to be fulfilled. So with that in mind, we are going to observe the Lord's Supper today. Um, If you'll stand while the worship team comes. The ushers are going to guide you by each row. And you'll start over here, and if you'll, you'll go all the way to your right and come up here to the front. If you have your offering and attendance sheet, bring those with you for the basket up front. You'll come around and, and get the elements and go back to your seat. If you'll just prayerfully stay standing while everyone goes through and, and just thank the Lord for, for all the situations and circumstances he's brought to your life. When everyone's returned to your seat, then we'll take the elements together. Um, the calling, this church believes if you're a follower of Jesus, you're welcome at this table. Um, that means bringing the good, the bad, and the ugly. Your well, your anchor, <laughs> your chains, your jester hat, you bring it to him.
If you have not done that, um, come and pray with Brady. And just remember that Jesus calling, is calling us to come and say thank you.